grab yourselves a seat. So we have the lovely Courtney is going to come and tell us the story that we are going to be talking about this morning. So here is Courtney, our amazing leader of our preschoolers. Do you want me to hold the mic for you? Yes, please. <laughs> come over this side. Kids, you want to come a bit closer and see what, I've, what I'm going to do? Because it is a visual one. So if you want to come sit down by the front so you can have a better view, come and do that now. Okay. Okay. Well, I've got a little bit of a crowd. That's good. Okay. So. Oh, yes, I do need my hands for this. <laughs> okay. Now, I've got an awesome story to tell you guys. Oh, I know. Okay. So, it was at the end of a long day. Jesus had been talking to a big crowd. Now, we've got a big crowd here today, but it was much, much bigger. Like, at least 5,000 people. That's way more than this. And so one of the disciples came up to Jesus and said, we need to send these people away. They need to go and have their dinner. They need to go and have some food because they're starting to get really hungry. <laughs> Sorry, that's, yeah, they were hunger pains crying. And Jesus turned to one of the disciples, Philip, and just to see what he would say, Jesus said to him, how about you go and buy them? Food. Buy all these people some food to eat. And Philip's like, I don't have enough money to do that. And while this is happening, Andrew, one of the other disciples, came up and he said, I found this little boy and he's got some food. Now he had how many fish? Two fishes. And he had, let's see how many loaves of bread he had. One, two, Three, four, five. Would five loaves and two fish feed 5,000 people? No. But this isn't a problem for Jesus. Jesus took the food and he gave thanks to God for the food. And then guess what happened? So he got the food and then... He put it there, and then he started to give out food. And there was more food. And there was more food. And there was more food. Because there was 5,000 people, and he gave it all out. And there was so much food that everyone had enough to eat, and then there was 12 baskets left over. So Jesus took five loaves of fish, Oh, sorry, five loaves and two fish and fed over 5,000 people with it. That's pretty cool, I think. Thank 
We're good to go? Yes, there we go. Great. So today we're hearing this story, and I want to talk about what we can make of it. Here is the situation where there's just five loaves of bread and two fish, and suddenly there is thousands and thousands and thousands of loaves, enough to feed all these people. Now, whenever I read about the story and I read about the comments that uh, deep thinkers, intelligent people have to say about it, there's always one or two that make this. This isn't really a miracle. Jesus didn't really turn five loaves and two fish into that. What happened is people were so shamed by the little boy's generosity that they realized that they had to be generous, and then they pulled out all their hidden food out of their bags, and suddenly they shared it. Now, if that's the only message you can get from that, it's not a bad message. Share your food and don't be shamed by a small boy. <laughs> you know, there, that's, that is a good life lesson. And if that's where you're at to ponder, that's a good starting point. Today, I want to explore that and explore the possibility of something else going on here. During the week, I heard this really fascinating podcast by two of the world's leading thinkers. Glenn Laurie is an economist um, and a professor, and Cornell West is a philosophy professor, both very famous um, people from the United States. And they were just talking, it was um, an online show, and they're very different. Glenn Laurie is um, a conservative right-wing American, and Cornell West is a progressive left-wing, and they were pointing out that we've got this big difference between us. And then Glenn Laurie says this other thing to Cornell West, you know, I also am a lapsed Christian, and Cornell West says, really, really tell me about that because Cornell West, one of the greatest thinkers in the world, is a deeply committed Christian. And Glenn's like, I just don't know if I can believe all this stuff. You know, I don't believe in magic. He says, I've got my PhD from MIT. How can I believe any of that stuff? And Cornell West, and it's great if you get a chance to Google it, it's on YouTube. He starts almost like this African-American preacher. And he starts saying, you know, just because you've got a PhD from MIT doesn't make you the expert on this. In our culture, we've made rational thinking this idol where we have to try and understand everything. And if we don't understand it, then it's not true. And he talks on and on, and he says to him in the end, you know why we can believe in miracles? We can believe in miracles because we have seen God transform our own lives. Now, as I was getting ready and putting the pictures and trying to find pictures online of these guys, I actually read a little bit about Glenn Laurie. And it's true. Glenn Laurie's life was a mess. He was arrested for cocaine possession and use. He, um, his life was, you know, a shambles. And he chose to trust in Jesus, and then his whole life transforms. And he gets himself a PhD, and he goes through life, and then all of a sudden he gets to this point where he's like, I'm too clever for all that now. And here is one of the most clever men in the world saying, some things you can't understand just because you've got your PhD from MIT. 
And I think there's this really beautiful thing there. Some things we cannot understand. But what is going on in this story? You know, when I read these uh, comments, like it was just that everyone was shamed and started sharing their food, I start wondering how realistic that actually is. You've got 5,000 people, and if they all secretly had stashes of food in their bag, it would be kind of noticeable. You know, like every second person's got this big stash. Sort of like if I went on a picnic, and here I am just casually carrying a, uh, a bag, and then people start getting hungry, and I'm just carrying my bag, and I'm not going to open it just in case someone else, you know, people might be like, hey, what have you got in your bag? Nothing. <laughs> There's nothing in here to see. But actually, not only is there something to see, there's something that is very typical of Middle Eastern cultures. I have far more than enough food for myself with my five panini. We shout out to Paula Bennett. And um, my two cans of tuna. And because I need something to lighten it, I've just snuck some brie in there. Just... <laughs> And this is the thing, here's a kid with the food. If every second person was walking around with some goatskin bag or some basket full of food, people would have noticed. But more than that, this is a culture that loves to share food. Middle Eastern people love to share food. There is a sense of pride when you go around to someone from the Middle, Eastern's, um, Middle East house and they can share their food with you. And I don't know if many of you have traveled or if your own culture has this value in it that you turn up to my house and we will feed you. There's a sense of pride of being able to be fed. I remember um, Paul and I going to see his uh, Russian friend, and at the time we were poor students, and we turned up at the house and just tray after tray of expensive nuts that at the time we could never afford, and chocolates and cakes and treats, and it just kept coming and coming, and then, do you want to stay for a meal? And this is very typical of these cultures. We want to feed you. We want to give you something. Now, I want you to turn around to your neighbor. Have you ever been in a culture different from your own, or maybe it's your own culture, where you go to someone's house and they feed and feed and feed you, and often, quite sacrificially, they will feed you. Turn around, talk to your neighbor. Have you ever experienced that sort of generosity?
so. Sounds like there's some good stories there. In our family, we have um, some funny stories here of some mis misunderstandings. In some cultures, the moment you finish your plate, that means you're still hungry and you need more food. And so the hosts must put more food on. Now, if you've grown up in my family, it's rude to leave anything left on your plate at the end of the meal. So you have to keep eating. And then they keep putting food on and then you keep eating. And sometimes you can get these cultural misunderstandings. <laughs> um, Paul has a hilarious story. He was up on the Tibetan plateau and they were making him delicious. What were they called, Paul? Momo. Dumplings. And, um, and Paul loved them so much, he was scoffing them down really fast, and that meant that they had to keep bringing more out really, really quickly. But he was eating them so quickly, they didn't actually have time to fully cook them in time to get them out to Paul's ravenous um, appetite. So he's eating them, and what he doesn't realise, he's now eating slightly raw meat. He realised it that night. And the next... Next to as, as he lay in high altitude, crying for Jesus to save him. <laughs> Sometimes these cultural misunderstandings can cause unusual situations. And as I was reflecting on this story, where if people had food, they would have likely shared it. Because what a sense of pride. Look, all the people sitting around me don't have food. I have enough to feed them. But in our Western culture, there's often this sense of kind of like, what's mine is mine, and I'm not going to share it. Um, I was hearing a story from a friend, and they lived overseas for a number of years, and they had friends from all different cultures around the world, and often they'd go, you know, to their houses, and my friend was saying that they'd often have a movie night at their house, and, you know, bring some food to the movie night, you know, bag of chips, and they had a friend who was from a Western cu culture, and they always bought the same thing, Coke and M&Ms. But then they sat in the corner and they drank their Coke and ate their M&Ms and they didn't share it because that's a Western cultural thing to do. Probably less so in New Zealand, I'm not sure, but this person was not a New Zealander. They turned up with their food and they sat and they didn't share it. But here is a story where I think a group of people, had they had food, they would have shared one last thing to talk and try and figure out with your neighbour. There's, I've got a friend and she happens to be here today. And whenever I go to her house, the same thing happens. The chocolate box comes out and I get my favourite peppermint tea. Now here is the challenge. There is enough people here on both sides. Which side can make your side, how do I explain this? You've got to figure out who this person is, but not let the other side know. Everyone on your side has got to know who the person is. Everyone on this side has got to know who the person is. Enough people here have experienced this, I think. So quick, whisper, Chinese whispers through your side. Which side can let everyone know? Who is this person who produces the chocolate box? You quickly tell people, who is it? Okay, let's see, who has ever experienced the chocolate box? 
Wow, so th this is the queen of hospitality. Who is it this side? Annabelle. And this side? We know. So Annabelle runs our kids program. She was the person who stepped in to eat the fish. If you ever, and it looks like Annabelle, you've still got some invites to hand out. <laughs> if you ever go to Annabelle's house, here is this act of hospitality. Um, what is your favorite chocolate out of that? You need to let her know. She'll have it there, peppermint with a peppermint tea. Here it is. So here's the scene. We're in the Middle East where people are by nature incredibly generous. If they had food, they would have taken pride in sharing it. But here is the story that Courtney told us. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, ta. Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. I think there are two really profound things in this story. And the first is this. Here we see Jesus, the host, the Middle Eastern host of a meal. And Jesus is not sitting in a small enclosed house inviting a few select people. Jesus home is the world. This is his place of hospitality. This is where Jesus invites and welcomes you to share his incredible hospitality. Jesus' house isn't some small enclosed thing that can only fit five friends over. Jesus sort of owns this. Here we are out in the wilderness and I'm owning this as my place of hospitality. The whole world is Jesus' home. And then the second really incredible thing is Jesus doesn't just have a handful of friends over to show them his Middle Eastern hospitality. Jesus welcomes every person. No one is excluded. If you turn up, you are welcome. If you show up to where Jesus is, he welcomes you and he lavishes hospitality. You can have more than enough. There will be leftover. There is still room for more people. This is the story of God's love for humanity. It's not enclosed, it's not hidden, it's not a few exclusive people. Every single person is welcome. 
Jesus tells the story, and it's recorded in the book of Matthew, and he's saying that there was a man throwing a party, and this is what he tells the person to do. Go into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. This is the hospitality of Jesus. All are welcome to his feast. Everyone belongs. If you're there, if you're in his presence, you are welcome. There are not hoops you have to jump through to get there. And then the final really beautiful part of the story is that Jesus is co-hosting his meal. He's co-hosting it with this little person who's not even counted in the story. 5,000, that's just the men. This guy's not even counted. He's overlooked. He's excluded in the official figures. But here he is. He is the person Jesus co-hosts with. And this is the invitation for us. God can turn our ordinary, tiny offering into something extraordinary. Jesus wants to welcome all and take what we have and offer it to him. So today I want to pray, and I want to pray that whatever we have in our life, whatever is small and little, that we can take it and it can be used for God's incredible kingdom where all are welcome, where there are no walls, all can belong. So let's pray. God, you are the God of miracles, even if sometimes we don't understand. You are the God of the extraordinary, even when our minds only think of the ordinary. God, I pray, come and transform us. May we be people who use what we have to extend a welcome and hospitality to the world that you love. Thank you that you welcome us. Thank you that you include us. May we be people who include others. Amen.